Hello. Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. The Camino is very freeing in that way that because nobody knows you, especially if you go by yourself and you don't know anyone, then you can be whoever you want to be. That's this week's guest, Karen Kaiser. We'll get to Karen in just a moment. But first, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. If you're walking to prepare for the Camino, download the podcast app on your phone, search for My Camino, hit subscribe, and you can download all the episodes. My inboxes were swamped this week with people from around the world sending me an Associated Press article which said pilgrims are back on the Camino seeking solace from the pandemic. The uncredited article quoted Santiago Archbishop Julian Barrio, who said he is cautiously optimistic that some 300,000 pilgrims could turn out this year as long as the pace of Spain's vaccination program and the health situation worldwide continues to improve. It's the news we've all been waiting for. And just a quick look at social media will tell you pilgrims are returning in droves. Let's hope it means that you and I will be back sooner rather than later. Thank you for your feedback over the last month or so. I've been inundated with emails and messages from listeners saying they love the podcast, and I don't say it enough, but thank you. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. That's patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins. If you know someone who's heading to the Camino, tell them about the podcast. Spread the word. This is a weekly podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the way of St. James. James was one of Christ's apostles, and he traveled to Iberia, the Spanish peninsula, to spread Christianity. And he returned to the Holy Land and was martyred about a decade after Christ's death, and his friends shipped his body out to the mountains of Galicia. And I'm grateful for an email from my friend Rocco Rossi in Ontario, Canada. He wrote to me with a history lesson. Not long after the discovery of James's tomb in the 9th century, the Moors were preparing to attack the Christians in the north of Spain, and the Christian king was Ramiro I. In a dream prior to the conflict, St. James appeared to Ramiro and told him he would be victorious. The legend goes, in the heat of the ensuing battle, a figure appeared on a white horse, urging and leading the Christians to victory. It was St. James. And it said St. James would often appear to the Christian forces and was thus named Santiago Matamoros, the Moor Slayer. Indeed, visions of Santiago appeared at conflicts in the 9th, 10th centuries, right through until the completion of the Reconquista in 1492. 500 years of guidance. Such is the legend, James is the patron saint of Spain and his remains are interred in a crypt beneath the majestic Baroque cathedral in the city named in his honour, Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars. It's the focal point of Caminos from all over Europe. Indeed, the Caminos are pilgrimages in the footsteps of St. James. Pilgrims walk for redemption, adventure, finding a purpose, finding light and lifting darkness. They walk together, alone, and together alone. They walk in sunshine, rain, summer, winter, with ease and in pain. They walk to Santiago de Compostela to wander down the steps of the old city through the arch as the bagpiper plays their entrance hymn. They have arrived. Someone sent me a poem this week by the American poet Susie Cassam, and it's called Apply Within. You once told me you wanted to find yourself in the world, 
and I told you to first apply within to discover the world within you. You once told me you wanted to save the world from all its wars, and I told you to first save yourself from the world and all the wars you put yourself through. My guest this week is an American writer, Karen Kaiser. Karen is also founder of Radical Simplicity and author of the international bestseller Lighten Your Load and the Camino books, Your Inner Camino, Your Pocket Guide to Inspiration and Transformation Along the Camino de Santiago and After the Camino, Your Pocket Guide to Integrating the Camino de Santiago into Your Daily Life. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you, Dan. Before we get to writing and research... How did the Camino come into your life? Well, I first heard about it in 2008 when I read Paolo Coelho's book, The Pilgrimage. And that's really all it took. I knew I would be walking the Camino at some point. And a couple of years went by and it went from wanting to do the Camino to needing to do it. Um, Back then, my life was completely out of balance and I had two businesses. I was working all the time. And so I wanted to take a break and step back and reassess my life. And six weeks along the Camino seemed like a good way to do that. So I walked for the first time from Pamplona in 2011. Right. So 2011. Oh, well, that's 10 years of involvement with the Camino. How wonderful. Um, Before we get to the Camino, and there's lots to talk about, but before I mentioned radical simplicity, what's that about? Tell us about radical simplicity. Well, it's, um, it's a coaching and healing company program it combines all sorts of things personal development shamanic wisdom intuitive abilities um it's all about facilitating change and personal transformation in people so i help people essentially become feel more alive more conscious happier healthier more in harmony with nature just about being more yeah it's a message i think that appeals to a lot of pilgrims simplicity oh absolutely yeah What's one thing I can do in my life to live more simply? Oh, um, that's a great question. There's, I mean, there's so many things, really. Um, I mean, just sort of on a day-to-day level, just the sort of touch it once kind of strategy, like with email or texts. You, you check your email in the morning, and rather than just sort of be reactive to every sort of ring and ding and ping that we get on our phones. If you just set aside a a set block of time in the day and then decide only to touch it once. So if you are going to open the email, you have to act on it right then, either respond or delete it or file it. But what we tend to do is just kind of look to see what's happening and then we don't actually take any action. So we then have to look at it again later and then the next day and the next day and they just pile up. Yeah, that's such good advice. Touch it once. I love that. Tell us about Free and Clear. Free and Clear is a book I wrote about the declutter piece of, um, in the first book that I wrote, Lighten Your Load, it it talks about detoxing, de-stressing, and decluttering. And the decluttering piece really seemed to resonate with people. And then I realized why. It was because, you know, people like to declutter and give things away and donate to charity because it feels really good and liberating to have um, more organized, more space. But then a year goes by and you end up with as much stuff, if not more. And so the book, Free and Clear, is about how do you break that cycle between decluttering, which is great, and the recluttering that eventually happens. Yeah. So it kind of gets to, the, it gets to the root of why we end up accumulating all that stuff in the first place. It's about 
why we buy the stuff and what we think it's going to get us. Yeah, that's really interesting. And free and clear is another great message that appeals to pilgrims, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Why do we surround ourselves with possessions? Why do we surround ourselves with clutter? Well, it's a form of distraction, really. Um, And in some sense, it's almost gives sort of a, a false sense of importance. Like we have so much stuff to do and only we can do it. And it, it kind of keeps our focus on the external world. And so what happens is it, it's, it's comforting in a way. You have all this sort of things and things to do surrounding you. And, um, and on the Camino, a lot of those things are taken away. And so you're mm. just left with yourself. And I think for a lot of people, that can be kind of scary or un, it's uncomfortable when you don't have all those ex, external physical things or, or distractions to really look inside and see what's going on or what you're really feeling. But it's one of the great appeals, one of the great things about the Camino, isn't it? Yeah, well, at least you may not think so at at first, but (laughs) um, you come to find that it's it's a very valuable thing to have as part of your life from the Camino and then to take it back home. Yeah, that's really interesting. And walking the Camino is a chance to wonder and wander in the great outdoors. How important is it? for us to live in harmony with nature. Oh, it's so important. I mean, when you think about it, we are nature and we're made of the same stuff. I read somewhere, I think it was something like we share 25% of our genes with trees. So we're made of the same stuff and nature has a way of putting things in their proper perspective. You can, you can zoom out and see your life and everything from a wider lens Mm, Wow, I love that. Oh, I really love that, seeing everything with a wider lens. Wow. You mentioned that you first walked the Camino Frances in 2011, and you've been on and off the Camino ever since as a pilgrim, but also as the hospitalera and a volunteer. Tell us about your work as a hospitalera. Uh, See, I first volunteered in an albergue in Galicia, and that was in 2018. And then I did the same thing the following year. And then I volunteered at the Pilgrim's Office, and that was in December of 19, so just months before everything shut down. Wow. Um, Both of those experiences were absolutely amazing, Um, particularly the Pilgrim's Office, because um, this was in December, and so a lot of pilgrims try to time their arrival into Santiago uh, with Christmas Day, but since I was there in the beginning of the month, there were fewer pilgrims, which was actually a great thing because there was a chance to, while we were filling out their Compostela, to actually talk to the pilgrims and share in their stories. And so almost like we were in some small way a part of the end of their Camino, which was really, really fulfilling, mm. really rewarding. To what's, what's Santiago like at Christmas? Must be beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. The, the lights go up um, the first or second week in December. It it's really has sort of a magical feeling to it. Yeah, really beautiful. Where did you stay? We stayed in a hostel, but it was it was a mile or two outside of Santiago. So okay. every day it was like walking into Santiago um, every day. Just, you could take a bus too, but... Um, but yeah, it was just outside the, the city, yeah, so that's, right. that's a little expensive. Let's go back to Hospitalera and, and being that person that the pilgrim relies on in many respects. What are some of the challenges? 
Well, the challenges for this one is that this particular one had 60 beds. And so when there's a line that's out the door before the pilgrim, the hostel even opens at 1 p.m., then that could be a little challenging. Sometimes people would just, pilgrims would come in and try to either cut the line or they didn't understand that there was a line. And so trying to, it was kind of like herding cats to try to get people to, 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 to form a queue outside. A lot of them were inside the property because where it was in, um, in Galisa and Ribadiso, it's right along the river. It's really beautiful. And so uh, you, you can go onto the property and enjoy that, but the actual line to get a bed is outside. And so there was always some confusion there <laughs> on um, how it worked. And I imagine it's not easy sort of satisfying everybody, lo- lo- lots of different sort of requests and demands in many ways but by and large did Mm -hmm. you enjoy it oh it was great yeah it was really nice and and at this particular hostel they didn't have the volunteers doing a lot of either the cleaning or the registration they had locals that they didn't want to take the jobs away for the locals for those roles and so we were more of a, a greeting service like a welcoming um capacity, which was great, actually. So our job is basically to answer questions and show people around and, you know, these the showers are here and these are beds. And so it was more, it was more like tour director, but it was great because we got to, we got to hang out, we got to hang out with the pilgrims and hear their stories there as well. So, hmm. um, yeah, it wasn't as much work, but it was full on. I mean, 10 hour days. Yeah. 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 That's right. There's not much respite. You and I met at the American Pilgrims on the Camino Conference in Lake Tahoe last year, and you talked mm-hmm. about writing about your Camino experience, and your, uh, your address was called Tips for Writing Your Camino Story and Sharing It with the World. How hard is it to write about my Camino or your Camino? Tips is basically just you know, to start getting words on paper. Um, a lot of what I recommend to prospective sort of authors is just to outline your topic and and try to figure out who actually are you writing for? Are you writing to share just with friends and family? Or are you writing for a group or an association or some broader market? And so that really helps to define sort of the tone and the direction of the writing is knowing, even picturing a specific person that you're writing for. So what happens is a lot of times people are writing along the Camino and it's just their own personal journal and they'd have no they have no thoughts of right of turning into that book later, but for those that do, it's nice to have in mind already. Who do you think is it, it, who is your reader? Yeah, yeah, and I guess then you can sort of frame your thoughts and and the journal of your journey to cater for them, cater for that audience, right. and it sort of gives you some direction, doesn't it? Yeah, especially among pilgrims too, because I mean a lot of things that like that we talk about you know, on, and probably on your podcast too, for non-pilgrims, they don't make a lot of sense. Um, you kind of have to have walked the Camino for a lot of things to, to make sense. And so that's important to keep in mind if you're writing for a non-pilgrim mm. audience. Yeah, that's interesting. Tell us about keeping the Camino clean, Karen, because I have to say, I often struggle with the conflict between a spiritual journey and throwing your rubbish into the undergrowth beside this ancient trail. But you walk past some days and think, how could you do that? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. But but tell us about keeping the Camino clean. Yeah, I just, 
that that was the thing back in 2011. I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. Like, how is it that this is this spiritual path and that there's rubbish of any kind? I mean, in in some spots, it's there's actually quite a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah, that bothered that bothered me a lot since my first Camino, and, um, and especially the used tissues and the waste around the trees. Because I'm a big tree person, that just really bothered me. And so the um, the Camino cleanup that just started as a nice idea that I thought you know it would be nice to come back one day pick up some trash, and I didn't do it then because the thought of bending down to pick up anything while wearing the full backpack I mean it was just too much there was no way, and then on my second Camino the same thing happened I picked up some rubbish here and there when I wasn't lugging the backpack around, but that was about it. So then the following year when I was um, at the albergue as a hospitalera, then that's when I decided, okay, that's it. It's time for me to do something about it. If it's bothering me, it's in my experience. So it's up to me to, to do something. So, so basically I started picking up trash in the mornings before the albergue opened since they didn't open until one, we had the mornings free and the experience was so amazing that, I changed my plan because after that I was going to walk the Camino del Norte after volunteering, but instead I decided, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go back to Roncesvalles and start picking up trash. And so 65 bags of trash later, I was still inspired. So I created the Camino cleanup project to, well, for one, to raise awareness, not to litter in the first place, but also to inspire veterans, Camino veterans, to join me on the trail to help out. So that's how that came about. And you also do this Camino cleanup program and retreat. Yeah, I started that in 2019 of um, taking small groups for a week or 10 days on the Camino Frances mostly, because that's where most of the people are. So that's where most of the trash is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, I meant to go back last year, but... Yeah. No can do. No can do. <laughs> <laughs> but no pilgrims either. So. No, 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 that's right. No pilgrims either. So the, the Camino uh, got a respite. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I think I'm trying to remember who said it to me a couple of podcasts ago. The Camino is resting. But it's starting to come back yeah. to life right now, which is fabulous. I want to step away from the Camino for a moment to your life at home. What is a transformational coach? Well, a lot of what I deal with is with people is limiting beliefs, Mm. Um, getting people to realize, A, that they have them and B, that they're, they're outside their conscious awareness for the most part. So they could be sort of running their lives in the background and they don't know it. And then, well, how to turn those, um, turn those around and, sort of deprogram yourself in a way and then reprogram yourself for the beliefs that are more in harmony with what you want in your life. Wow. Is that difficult to do? It is. <laughs> it's not easy. No, because if it were just a matter of willpower, then we all could do it. You know, you could just, you know, how some people just think, oh, well, just affirmations. You can just say something, you know, nice about yourself over and over. Well, that's great, but that's in your conscious mind. And so if your subconscious programmings are running the exact opposite then, you know, they say it's your subconscious, which is running the show 95% of the time and your conscious brain, your thinking brain is maybe 5%. So it's not weighed in your favor for that. So it takes some other sort of techniques to, to change it, wow. but it's totally possible. Yeah. Uh, well, what's the one thing you see 
in most people's lives that is slowing them down or holding them up spiritually and or in their life journey? I think we're so conditioned, really, especially in the West, from a very young age to be sort of left brain dominant. It's all about logic and the mind and, you know, structure. And, and we, we totally neglect our more intuitive side because that's just our school systems are not designed that way. They're not designed to nurture the, the individual and the creativity and the dreams of each individual child. It's kind of like a factory system in a way that, you know, we come out and, you know, we might, I mean, at this point, we might not even be critical thinkers because now it's more just sort of memorization and spit it back. But um, so just to challenge people to imagine and visualize something bigger for themselves can actually take it, it takes more time than you might think just yeah. to to really tap into, you know, well, what does your body say? Or when this happens, what do you feel? A lot of us are so stuck in our heads that we essentially live from our heads that we're not we're totally disconnected from what's happening in our body, what's happening around us, what's happening in nature. Um, this is about making those reconnections. Wow. I really like that. I, I, that fascinates me because being someone who was raised born, I was born a Catholic. Um, it's, it's inbred in me, this whole thing. And I've just been reading this book by an Australian author um, and the book is called Lapsed and about her sort of journey with Catholicism, and she'd sort of left it behind. And then her nine-year-old daughter um, came to her one day out of the blue and said, I want to be baptized. And so this, the author, Monica Ducks, had to go back into her whole upbringing as a Catholic, and I'm sort of reading it thinking, oh, my gosh, that's like I'm hardwired to believe so much and to react in such a way. I really would love to sort of go back through it and unpick some of it to free me from mm-hmm. it. You, you know what I mean? And when you said before, yeah. it's not easy, it takes a long time, I'm thinking, man, that would take forever because it's taken my forever to get to here, right? Well, I mean, those are things that have just been reinforced over time. So you, it's not, it's not as lengthy a process as you might think. All right. Hmm, I'm going to look yeah. into it. I'm going to look into it. Yeah. There's another byline on your bio what is an earth steward? Yeah, that, that's a great question. It's really hard to describe. I mean, I've sort of been in so many industries um, and I do a lot of things. And, and so I came up with the term. I mean, it's not an original term by any means, but, but I'm just t- trying to describe what my relationship with, with nature is because I do have projects of planting trees and, you know, with the picking up trash on the Camino. And so earth steward kind of sums it up of someone that has sort of a sacred reciprocity um, relationship with nature. So it's not just about taking, which is kind of what our culture worldwide does. We take from nature and we sell it and make things and whatever. And so um, for me, it's about giving back. I mean, nature gives us everything. And so even something as small as picking up, trash is sort of this sacred reciprocity that with nature. Um, so yeah, we're caretakers, all of us really. I mean, and that's kind of what I think our role is here on this, on this planet is to take care of the earth, not abuse it as we have. 
And I think more and more people are coming to that awareness that um, uh, like, hey, we're kind of heading for our mass extinction if we don't actually take care of the one thing that's giving us all life. Gosh, that's so true. That is so true. I mean, what we've seen here in Australia, the most extreme environmental catastrophes, the bushfires of last summer or the summer before last, I've seen it like mm-hmm. in my entire life. Some of the storms that we've had and, and now floods as well. It's, it's so extreme. It's like everybody warned about it and now it's happening right before our very eyes. We have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about the power of one project. That's um, that's a pro bono project I created last fall in sort of the, the pandemic times to demonstrate how one person can reach thousands of people and positively positively impact the world. So the idea was, I mean, I have you know several newsletters, and I thought, you know, is anything that I'm doing even making a difference? You know, we kind of all have those moments where it's just like, you know, what's the point? And, and the world's looking pretty bleak. And so I thought, okay, wait a minute. No, even if only one person reads a book, one of my books or one person is impacted in some way by one thing I say, it matters. Like even helping one person matters. And so I thought, okay, how can I, how can I let other people know that too, that to feel that, especially in like these challenging times. And so I started the project and um, the first, so I have, I cycle through kind of different focus. And the first one was about um, dreaming the new world into being. So we, some meditators came together and other sort of peace seekers just online and how to meditate together and, or just visualize like, what is the world we want to live in? Like, let's just visualize it. Even if we, or try to imagine it and just sort of in a group effort. So that, and so I had people from eight, I think eight or nine countries from around the world that did this. And so it was really quite amazing. And people sharing their stories of, of like in the brighter world that I'm imagining, you know, X. And so we would you know, feed off each other's ideas and it really allowed you to expand your awareness of, of yes, anything is possible. And here, here are like 27 ideas. And then the last few months, um, the focus has been on global regeneration with trees. And so we raised funds to plant more than 1,600 trees and counting. I'm still doing that. Um, and some of them, some of the trees will be planted actually in Spain, yeah. quite near the Camino, the Camino del Norte. And then the next focus, which will be next month or so, and it'll be for several months, is on, uh, and I love this one too, is on uh, deliberate acts of kindness, which really relates to the Camino as well, because there's, the Camino is full of acts of kindness. Yeah. I was reading some of the research that you have done, um, uplift.love, and I came across that every thought matters. That is so true, isn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Everything we I mean, do- it literally changes the physiology in your body. And, and there's been research done by a neuroscientist that, that they can measure the brain activity in your head without even putting the probes on your head. So it could be several inches away from your head and it's measuring what's going on inside of your brain. And so your, every thought transmits out. So it's like we're nonstop broadcasters 24 seven of every thought that goes through our head. It's fascinating when you get even just to scratch the surface a little bit, because you say each of our estimated 80,000 daily thoughts 
is broadcast without exception. And that's powerful, right? 80,000 daily thoughts, yeah? Right. But we're not aware of most of those because they're kind of just running on, they're just running in the background. They're just sort of fleeting thoughts that were, it's almost like they're, I mean, they're not us. They're just one thought after the other. Um, so yeah, part of what I do is, is train people to sort of quiet, quiet that down and then do be more sort of targeted and directed in your thinking rather than just sort of reactionary to whatever thought happens to pop in your head and then you're throwing out into the world. It's fantastic. I love it. You say when we entertain thoughts of what we don't want, we contribute to more of that in the world. And if we're broadcasting 80,000 daily thoughts, that's a lot of negative energy, isn't it? It's a lot of what we don't need out, out in the world, right? Right. And which is why they say that, you know, worrying, for example, which a lot of people are really good at, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help the person you're worried about. No. And it doesn't help you at all either. And then no. you're just broadcasting that into the field. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a gold medalist warrior. <laughs> I'm telling oh, nice. You. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the top of the podium every time. You say as well, and I, I really love this, that um, everything we do matters. And then the final thought that, that really inspired me was imagination is the ultimate superpower. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How fantastic. It is. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I, the thing is, like, when you think about it, so people people say, oh, you know, your imagination is, you know, unlimited. Well, for most people, it's actually quite limited because you it there's so many things that exist that you can't even imagine because you've never, you've never heard it, you've never seen of it, you've never read about it. And so when you open your mind to new ideas, new thoughts, new people, new experience, new cultures. And then um, by definition, your, your imagination starts to expand. Yeah. Oh, it's so exciting. I just absolutely love talking about it. In your best-selling book, Lighten Your Load, you talk about freeing yourself of stress. And the book teaches us how to add more peace, calm, and tranquility to our day, even when everything seems out of control. But Karen, it seems to me like surrounding ourselves with more stuff and feeling increasingly more penned in only exacerbates the feeling of being out of control. We think we're accumulating all this stuff for comfort, but it only, like I say, exacerbates this feeling of being out of control. Yeah, it literally weighs you down, Mm. all that stuff. Because then you have to manage the stuff. You have to dust the stuff, ensure the stuff. (laughs) then you're almost owned by your stuff, the physical stuff. I mean, you have that same amount of stuff in your brain, to, and, you know, in your mind too. Yeah. I mean, when you think about what, what do you expose yourself to, you yeah. know, negative people or negative news or, or yeah, online s- stuff that's not very empowering. Yeah, and you say also in the book that even the movies you watch and the people you surround yourself with all have a massive impact on your health, wellness, and happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's pretty straightforward, really, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) it's not, you know, we talked about the 80,000 thoughts a day you're broadcasting, but there's also all of that input as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In Free and Clear, the book you write about decluttering your home and your head the Camino is a good opportunity to declutter your head, isn't it? Yeah. And in fact, I mean, I've always used walking as a way to clear my head. It didn't, it doesn't seem to matter what issue or problem or 
something that's not going well, then by the end of the walk, some a solution usually presents itself. And so the nice thing about the Camino is that there's so much time that you you literally have enough time to, to think about everything that's ever happened in your life from day one. And there's enough time to go through it all. And and I mean that's really a that's really a blessing to be able to have that. And, and then because you're in nature, you can see all of those events and circumstances and people and things from a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And that segues perfectly into my next question. Tell us about your inner Camino, your pocket guide to inspiration and transformation along the Camino de Santiago. So I, that one, it's, it's designed to take with you on the Camino and it's, it's, it's a pocket size. So it's 1.4 ounces, maybe 40 grams or so. And it's meant to be open at random and it includes things to contemplate while you're walking and also things that um, hopefully amuse you or boost your spirits. And it's, it's really an invitation to explore the deeper issues that draw people to the Camino. Yeah. They're kind of ponder points, if you, if you will. Yeah. 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 You know, um, one of the common themes on this podcast is people talk about the gift of finding the Camino, of it being part of their lives, you know, this incredible gift that the world has given them. And I came home from work this week. I had a really tough week, actually, very busy. And, and, and although I love it, I really enjoy what I do. It can get very, very busy and very stressful. But I walked through the front gate and I thought, oh, so good to be home. And I opened up the letterbox and here was a gift from you. And oh, it, they arrived. And the, oh, wonderful. And your books arrived in a lovely card. And I said, oh, my gosh, how great is it to receive a gift? And there was your inner Camino, the little pocket guide to inspiration and transformation along the Camino de Santiago. And then my favorite, this little other book, your pocket guide to integrating the Camino de Santiago into your daily life. It's called After the Camino. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I wrote that one to help really ease the transition once you're back home to help people avoid getting pulled into those same routines and personal dynamics that they had before they left. Yeah. But also as a way to bring that heightened sense of aliveness and possibility from the trail into your life. And, you know, some people ask me, well, why is it pocket size also? Because you're already back. But the idea is to keep walking when you're back home. So the Camino, of course, doesn't end in Santiago. And so it's that size. So you you can just put it in your pocket or in your briefcase or in your purse or in your car. And then it's sort of another sort of reminder, a, a keepsake for your time on the Camino and as a reminder to keep it going in your daily life. Mm. It's got all like exercises and suggestions and, and sort of ways to sort of help you avoid returning, as you said, to those old habits of your pre-Camino life. Mm-hmm. And, and what I really loved about the gift that I received this week was that you included a second copy of both the little pocket guides for me to give to someone else as a gift, which I thought was lovely, Karen. It was such a nice yes. thing to do for someone. Thank you. Yeah, because it's all about my, uh, my deliberate acts of kindness, uh, which is... Um, well, I've challenged myself to do something like that every day. Just uh, can that be scary? Just one way to, can that be? Should sorry? I, can it be scary? Oh, absolutely. 
How do you Absolutely. how do you overcome that fear of doing something kind for somebody every day? I don't know. Well, I'll give you an example from the Camino. I mean, there. I mean, I found it super liberating, very freeing, just to be because nobody knows you. You can try on different personality traits. You know, so forget about if somebody says, "Oh, you're shy or extroverted, introverted, whatever." Um, on the Camino, you can try any of those things and see if, well, is it actually true that I'm an introvert or that I'm shy? And so I did that personally. You know, I tend to be more of an introvert, but then I got to thinking, well, is that actually true? Um, and so I said, okay, you know, for two days in a row, I'm going to be the first one to say one Camino and hola first. Like, I'm not going to wait for anyone to say it to me. I'm going to say it to everyone first. And it was, I mean, it was fun, but it was super liberating because like, wait a minute, no, like, we get so used to like the roles that we play because maybe somebody when you were a child said that you were whatever, you know, fill in the blank and you took that on and it may not be true at all, but then you live the next 40 years of your life that way and you've sort of internalized it. And so the Camino is very freeing in that way that because nobody knows you, especially if you go by yourself and you don't know anyone, then you can be whoever you want to be. You can be who you actually are. And you may not know who that is or what that looks like, but by the end of it, you probably have a much better idea. And then you're able to take that home with you. Absolutely. Wow. And there's a great message there for all of us to take with us every day. And as pilgrims, we have an opportunity to sort of spread love and acceptance and patience and forgiveness and kindness and empathy all around the world, mm. don't we? So, so here you are suggesting that we try on a different personality. Well, maybe it's our best selves is the one we should try more often. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh wow, I really love that. That's great. Hey, Karen, tell us a Camino story. Now, I've heard many of your guests share a story of serendipity or about their Camino family, but how about a strange story? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. This was either on my second or third Camino, I don't remember, but I'm somewhere before Burgos, and I decide to splurge on a private room. Now, the room seems nice enough, only it smells like an ashtray, and there are a couple of flies in the room, so I think, okay, no big deal. I'll just open the window, let it air out, and while I go get a bite to eat. So later, I get back to the room. The cigarette smell was gone, which was great. Only now, instead of a couple of flies, there are dozens of flies swarming everywhere. And by dozens, I mean at least 100. So I tried getting them out, swatting them, shooing them, directing them to the open window, but nothing worked. So, Dan, guess what I did? What? Nothing. (laughs) I just watched, I watched them. I even tried counting them. So it was fascinating. I thought to myself, why were they in the room? It made no sense. It was a clean room. There's no food anywhere. And now the former me, the pre-Camino Karen, like she would have been upset or even disgusted by the flies, but I wasn't. I was amazed that I wasn't annoyed. And I was even, uh, I was even, well, I was just more curious than anything really. So, and it just goes to show you that after a few weeks on the Camino, I mean, it's the Camino is certainly one way to tap in, into your inner Zen. But anyway, the weird thing, as if this story weren't weird enough already, is that <laughs> most of the flies were minding their own business. They weren't swarming around me. They were mostly on the ceiling and the walls. So I decided just to forget about them and go to sleep. 
although I did keep my head under the sheet the entire time, the entire night, so they couldn't land on my face. But let's just say it was not a very restful sleep. But it was an interesting experience. So I figured if 200 flies are in my room, maybe there's a message for me here. Or maybe it's just so I'd have a story to tell you now. Who knows? (laughs) But, I mean, for years I thought bizarre things happened to me just for the entertainment value of telling the story to others later. (laughs) And that could have been the case here. But later... Um, maybe it was the next day, I looked up online the spiritual meaning of the fly to get another perspective. And what it said, which I don't remember now, actually made sense at the time. So there's an unusual life tip for you that if you have no idea why something happened, just Google spiritual meaning of fill in the blank and then see what comes up. (laughs) I love it. There you go. That's so great. (laughs) That's so great. I was sitting on the lounge a few years ago. The back of the house was open and I had a really, really difficult decision to make. And I was sitting there thinking, what answer should I give myself? You know, And a dragonfly flew into the room, buzzed around me nice. and then flew back out again. And Jen, my wife, said to me, that's a message. And so mm-hmm. I quickly Googled, what does a dragonfly mean? And like you said, it came up. Yeah. And it said... If a dragonfly crosses your path and in and out, it means a change is coming. And I said, that's it. I was able to make the decision. It did exactly what you said and it worked. That's awesome. (laughs) So tell us your other story. Okay, this one's not weird, but hopefully it's entertaining. So, um, okay, on this particular day, I started walking much later in the day than usual. And after walking a couple of hours... I run into some pilgrims I'd met days earlier. So I stop, we chat a bit. Well, the bit turned into a good long while. So by the time we all got moving again, it was pretty late. And then three of us arrived at the next town together, only to discover that the town had precisely one albergue, no other lodging options, and only one bed available. So one of the friends takes it, and now it's just two of us left. And we decide to walk the three kilometers to the next town. Only we're tired and annoyed. And before I know it, we're in this heated discussion and my friend storms ahead in a huff. So now it's back to just me. So I get to the town. I go to the first albergue. They're full. Then the second one, booked. And the third one, also booked. I know maybe I would have found something if I had a bit more patience, but you know there were probably more options, but it was late and everyone was already outside at the bars having a great time. Meanwhile, I'm feeling like the ugly stepsister that knows no one and wasn't invited to the party. So I keep going. It's another three or four kilometers now to the next town. And this time it's on asphalt and darkness is approaching fast But luckily, I arrived at the next albergue before closing time, and I found a bed. But that ended up to be a 42K day. And then it got worse. So doors slamming, loud talkers, the room lights flipped on at night. No one seemed interested in sleeping. Things finally settled down maybe like 1 a.m. or so, and then the real nightmare began. The snoring. Now, this was not my first Camino, so I was used to a certain amount of snoring, but this was different. 
the five or six other bodies in the room made sounds that I never thought possible from humans. <laughs> so one guy had a snore that increased in volume with each breath. <laughs> I thought he was going to explode. And then after what seemed like maybe 30 minutes of actual sleep, I was jolted awake by a new sound, someone's cell phone alarm, and then another one. The snores did not move at all. No one got up. No one turned them off. So those alarms kept going on and off for like, I don't know, a half hour, maybe more. I don't know. I couldn't take it. I got up and left. Now, because I got there so late the night before and in a bad mood, I had slept in my clothes just as is. So I was able to make a quick escape. <laughs> but individually, none of those things would have bothered me too much ordinarily, but one after the other. So the argument, the unanticipated 40 plus kilometers, the epic snorers, phone alarms, like all of it set me up for a meltdown. So here it comes. That morning, I was making my way up a steep hill, and then I suddenly think, where's my ring? So I had bought this silver ring with the shell in Finisterre back in 2011 for the first Camino, and I pretty much had worn it since. So now it's not on my finger. Mm -hmm. I had no idea where I could have left it, no memory of taking it off, and that was my breaking point. I just lost it, so I, I just stood there and cried. Mm. So... So, you know, they say the Camino gives you what you need, yeah. not necessarily what you want. And this was definitely one of those times. But that, ex that experience actually led to some pretty powerful realizations later that day that I would not have had if it didn't happen exactly as it did. And then as for the ring, well, I mean, it served its purpose. I, I bought it at the end of my first Camino. I wore it as a reminder return. And six years later, back finally on the Camino, the time had come to let it go. So what were the realizations later in the day? Gosh, you know, I don't remember now. It's in my, <laughs> I tried to find the notebook from that Camino, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly because I've had several Caminos since. But I do remember that, you know, I got to the top of this hill and I just sat there and the wind was blowing super strong and I'm cold and, and I'm just, you know, just sobbing. And then in the distance, you know, I see the sun and the clouds parting and the town and, you know, and then, and then, yeah, it was just sort of like all that needed to happen. Yeah. Like you had to reach that breaking point. You had to reach that breaking point so you could renew and, and refresh you could begin again because, yeah, yeah you'd left that, yeah. that ring had, had gone, that you'd left that part of you behind. How fantastic. Yeah. Wow, what a great story. Yeah, the ring, yeah, the ring got me to the second Camino, so it was no longer needed. Oh, that's awesome. That is so fantastic. Oh, Karen, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. My gosh, I could talk to you for hours. I really, really <laughs> love the gift that arrived, the books this week. I really, really appreciate it. You've been so kind and thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. It's been a real pleasure. And I guess I also wanted to congratulate you on your writing and your vision and your journey. Um, because not only are you walking this journey, this life journey alone, you're, you're encouraging as many people as possible to walk it with you. 
and you have so much to share and 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 it's so lovely to think that somebody with your passion and knowledge and understanding is giving so much to so many people so it's wonderful that you've taken a bit of oh i've been able to take a bit of that valuable time to share your perspective and journey with my listeners i, I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for the gift and i look forward to when our paths cross again buen camino Buen Camino, Dan. Thanks so much. My guest this week, Karen Kaiser. Karen is founder of Radical Simplicity and the author of the international bestseller, Lighten Your Load and the Camino Books, Your Inner Camino, Your Pocket Guide to Inspiration and Transformation along the Camino de Santiago. And after the Camino, Your Pocket Guide to Integrating the Camino de Santiago into Your Daily Life. Learn more about Karen's books, coaching programs, and retreats at karenkaiser.com. And the website for the Camino Cleanup program is caminocleanup.com. I actually have the little book here, Your Inner Camino, the pocket-sized book. I'm just going to open it randomly. Here we go. Foot check. The feet are our foundation and our connection with the earth. Unfortunately, we tend to take them for granted until they bother us. If we cared for our feet like we do our face, for example, they probably wouldn't hurt even after walking 15 miles per day. Give your feet the attention they deserve before they succumb to blisters or cracked heels. Take a few minutes at the end of each day to rub your feet, stretch them, thank them. Isn't that fantastic? That's your inner Camino, your pocket guide to inspiration and transformation along the Camino de Santiago and a gift that arrived in my letterbox this week. Remember the poem by the American poet Susie Cassim called Apply Within. You once told me you wanted to find yourself in the world and I told you to first apply within to discover the world within you. You once told me you wanted to save the world from all its wars and I told you to first save yourself from the world and all the wars you put yourself through. Walk on, pilgrims. Let's try to make the world a better place together. Thanks for your company. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.